On today's Locked on Jayhawks, I'm going to be joined by Nick Schwert to do some KU basketball season prop picks. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And hello, welcome into another edition of Locked on Jayhawks with Nick Schwert, Derek Johnson here. You can hear me as well on Rock Chalk Sports Talk, Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 on KLWN and Lawrence. You can also hear Nick over on 610 with Cody and Gold in the afternoons and also on the Wave in the Wheat podcast. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get your podcasts. And on today's edition of the show, we're going to go over some fun KU season prop bets for the upcoming basketball season which starts up thursday for the first exhibition monday the first regular season game for KU. i think it'll really start feeling real though once you get to game three against duke uh so i guess we'll just go ahead and get to the first prop bet here uh, i have for you nick KU basketball over under 0.5 big 12 regular plus postseason titles so basically if they win one big 12 title either regular or postseason it's the over. What would you take? I will take the over. You feel pretty confident in that? Yeah. I mean, doesn't history suggest that you're probably going to win the Big 12? That it does. Like, here's the thing. I get it, especially for you. I'm not shitting on you here. But you talk Kansas basketball every day on the radio for three hours. You talk Kansas basketball every day on this podcast for 30 minutes. A lot of content. You can't just dismiss things and say, nope, not talking about that next like I can, right? I only do it a couple times a week, so it's easy for me to say, I'm not talking about Kansas not winning the Big 12. This is all they do. There have been a, a couple of seasons here and there where they didn't win it, but overall, you give me the data, the sample size, it's a pretty big one at this point in Bill Self's career. I'm telling you, I don't care what Texas has. I don't care what Baylor does well. I don't care about matchups. Bill Self wins the Big 12. This is how it works, so... Uh, I'm just going to assume once again that Kansas is going to win the regular season Big 12. The tournament, they clearly don't put quite as much stock into it, and that's a little more volatile than the regular season as a whole, where you know you're given you know so many chances playing everybody twice. So I'll take the over because I think they're gonna win the regular season. I will take the over as well. I could see them sharing with Baylor, but I, I don't think it's that crazy if you pick the under because Baylor is the, I, I don't know, like not be all end all favorite here, but they are the favorite over Kansas right now. And they were the, the preseason pick and whatnot. And then uh, uh, are maybe, they the Vegas favorite. Yes. What What's the, do you know the, the numbers? It's very even last I saw it was like Baylor was like plus two fifteen, and and Kansas was like plus two thirty. Something like that. Yeah, I, mean, I don't think. Can, I mean, like from a from a roster construction, from a talent, like Baylor probably has more talent than Kansas does. Texas probably has more talent, but this isn't unique. This isn't the first time we've said that. Bill Self has an uncanny ability to get his team to win the games that you're not supposed to, because they always take care of business at home, like nobody else does, and then they go on the road and they win those 50-50 games. It's not like they just like crush it on the road, but it's those games that could go either way that 90% of teams in the Big 12 in that same situation in a road environment are going to lose. 
Bill Self in, in Kansas has found a way to win those games. So I'm basically just breaking down how you win the Big 12. But, I mean, that's how it's worked for the better part of the last 20 years at Kansas. Okay, how about this next one? What will be better for this team, offense or defense? And you can look at this different ways. You can, you know, just go what you think is better. You can go based on, like, Ken Palm, offensive and defensive adjusted efficiency. What do you think is going to be the better unit? Man, you know, you look at Bill Self's time at Kansas, and I, I wish I would have. If I, if you were to go back over what what year will this be? His first year was two thousand three oh four. Yeah. So this would be. It was. Is this year number twenty that he's entering? Yes. How many of those seasons? I'm looking at it right now. I don't. Maybe you already did this. How many of those seasons do you think that Kansas's defense finished higher in adjusted efficiency on Kim Palm than the offense did? I, it's funny because when you think of Bill Self, especially like, you know, maybe five years ago, you automatically always thought about defense, but he has had some like really good offenses. I, I think it's probably less than you would think. Um, but let's see if you have 19 seasons, I'll say that the defense was better than the offense. I don't know. Eight times. 12, which wow, is okay. honestly still lower than I was expecting. I was expecting most of the time for it to be the D. Like I would have guessed maybe 16 or 17. But you're right because you look at recent years. Last year, the offense were ranked sixth in the country. The defense was 17th. Uh, the year before 2021, the defense won it, but the defense was better in 2020. It was that stretch with Frank Mason and Devontae Graham. That's kind of, I think, what you're probably thinking of. And it's the same thing I was thinking of where. This team just stretched the floor and shot a ton, and Landon Lucas was the big guy, so they didn't have that elite rim protector. And that's really what we're talking about here. We can we can look at like Marcus Garrett or these great wing defenders, or these great guard defenders, but most of the time when Kansas has had an elite defense, they've had an elite rim protector. I don't think they have that this year. Who knows? Maybe Ernest Uday becomes that guy. But you got Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller, and those might be... To, like respectively top five defenders at their position in college basketball, which is funny to say about McCuller. Cause I don't even know what position he plays. Like is he the two or is he the four? It probably doesn't really matter the way that Kansas is going to play, but you've got two like borderline elite defenders on this team. Can those two guys playing in the backcourt, be enough to make up for if you don't end up having an elite rim protector. Because just just that, just knowing that those two guys are going to create transition opportunities and all the question marks I do have about this offense, who's going to space the floor? Can Jalen become an alpha that you can run offense through? Is there going to be any reliable scoring from the five position? There's a lot of questions I have about that offense. Just knowing the history, knowing the questions I have about the offense, and knowing that McCuller and Dewan Harris are both going to be plus defenders. To me, it's defense. Yeah, it's it's defense for me. I think this is going to be a top 10 defense in the country. If the center does come along and they get the rim protection, you could make a case to me this will be one of the top three to five defenses in the country. Everything you said about the perimeter, I mean, I, I've said this a bunch and I'll continue to say it. Texas Tech was the number one defense in the country last year. Kevin McCuller was the best def defensive player on the best defensive team in the country. Uh, and now I know he's Sam playing for the best defensive coach in the country. Yeah. And, and I know like Sam Vecini, who you've had on your show with, with waving the wheat. Um, and you know, we've had on RCST at different points. Uh, 
mentioned this in, in an article. He he ranked the top, whatever, 25 wings or something like that for the college basketball season with the Athletic. He said he's the best defensive perimeter player in the country. So, um, yeah, I, I don't think it'd be crazy for that. And and maybe, who knows, maybe the, the lack of a proven center or one guy who steps up works in the favor of the defense because if you're just playing like three guys that you're just like, hey, just go out there, just play really physical. If you get in foul trouble, whatever, like there's no separation between our centers anyway. We're just going to play super physical down low and, and cause other teams problems. Uh, the next one that we have for you here, over under 35% from three as a team for Kansas. Hmm. What they shoot last year as a team? It was 36. So barely over. And I'm assuming the reason why you chose 35 is year in, year out. That's usually about the the nation average. Is that correct? It's a little bit of both. So uh, I know CJ Moore just kind of detailed this in the athletic that typically the teams who win the Big 12, you got to shoot 35% or better. And we've also typically seen there's a bit of a line between Bill Self teams. Um, you know, there, there's the 2020 team with Udoka Azubuki. They were just so good on two-point shots with with Doak and Dotson getting inside and so good defensively that they shot like 34%, but it didn't really matter. Uh, but pretty much all the other teams, like if, if they've been below 35%, you go look at some past Bill Self teams. A lot of those are the teams that, that maybe weren't as good. What's crazy is that you only really had two guys that were plus shooters on your team last year. Like, yeah, I, I mean, I get it. Like Jalen Coleman lands was a plus shooter, but he didn't play in the rotation. Right. But it was, that was Ochai and, and Christian carrying the load because Ochai was nearly 41%. Christian was about 39%. The only way this happens is two guys, two guys I'm looking at Grady Dick and Kevin McCuller as an X fact. I keep hearing that like, well, he wasn't a great shooter, but that offense wasn't really designed for him to do it. And people like his stroke, whatever. Like generally, if you're going to be a plus shooter, you get a glimpse of that. Like, I'm not just going to blindly assume that because he's going to be a bet in a better offense with more talent, that's going to space the floor and they'll be playing at a faster tempo that all of a sudden he's going to be a great shooter. But I don't know where else it comes from, Derek. Grady's Grady's the non-negotiable. If he's not a 38, 39% three-point shooter, then the answer is no. Because I just, I can't imagine it would be that way unless this team just doesn't hardly shoot any threes which I guess you could entertain. I mean, maybe I was, I was honestly a little surprised uh, at KU media veil. Bill self said that I envision this team's going to try to play faster and shoot more threes than last year's team, which I was a little caught off guard with that because of what you just mentioned. Like you could argue that, okay, if Grady Dick is the team's best three point shooter, the second and third best might be Cam Martin and Zach Clements, but how much are either one of those going to play? And even if one of those, even if Zach Clements is your starter playing 20, 25 minutes a game, you know, even though maybe they tailor the offense a little bit more around that, like even big, big men who have shot well from three under Bill Self, what are they taking? Two a game, two and a half per game. So maybe it's up to three with, with a tailored offense around Zach Clements. So if your second best three point shooter and your third best are combining for three three pointers a game, it's going to be tough to get up there. You have to have a lot of improvement from Jalen Wilson and Kevin McCuller. I I, I would eh, probably take the under on this. So, I think it's so, around 34. You might be right, but funny enough, it's only happened five times in Bill Self's time at Kansas where they've shot below 35%. And two of those five times came in the last three years, 2021 and 2020, when they were like the best team in the country 
with a bullet. And I don't think anybody was leaving that season saying like, if only they could have made more threes. No, they were like the team to beat heading into March. So if you're telling me that Jalen Wilson's going to be unstoppable getting the ball downhill and this team's going to have some sort of, you know, reliable go-to score down low, then I guess it could work. But I'm going to take the over only because I feel like they're going to have to. They're going to have to if they're going to be a top 10, 15 team in the country. In just a moment, I've got some uh, player props to get to for this team. This week's thrilling moment in college football is brought to you by Nissan. The thrilling designs behind the new lineup from Nissan are intended to empower drivers and vehicles as capable as the driver themselves. When I think of an unbelievable abilities on the field for this week's thrilling moment, it is anything except for the Miami-Virginia game. Uh, it was 14-12 to 12 through four overtimes. Neither team scored a touchdown, and there were no turnovers. So how did it end up like that? I don't know. If you did want a thrilling moment, anything but that game, how about Ohio State, Penn State, and OKU game this weekend? Uh, but 45 fourth quarter points between the two of those, a lot better than the Miami-Virginia game. This segment has been inspired by the thrilling new designs featured across Nissan's new lineup of vehicles. Pursue what thrills you in the all-new Frontier Armada or Pathfinder today, available now at NissanUSA.com. Okay, our first of the individual player props deals with Jalen Wilson. Over under 16 points per game for Jalen. Hmm. I will say over. I will say over just because I don't think, I think it will be a little bit more evened out than it was a season ago. I don't think Jalen's going to be like a 20 point per game score. But you go back even like to the year before that where you had four guys within three points. We've seen that a lot where, your leading score averages 14, then there's a guy at 13, then there's a guy at 12 and 11. I think this is going to be a little bit more top-heavy than that. I do think Jalen's is like a 16-point-per-game score. It's probably right around there. If it's under, I would probably say it's right under. But I think he will be a focal point enough, and I think one thing about him that he's so good at is driving downhill, getting to the rim. So even if like the efficiency is not there, I think he goes to the free throw line a lot. So I'm going to say over, but barely. And I think there is a significant gap between him and number two, whoever that guy is. Yeah, I, I would take the over on this. I think he's at 16 and a half, 17. What you said, I think Grady Dick and Kevin McCuller are probably next at somewhere between like 12 to 13 points per game. And, and then there's a lot of guys in that kind of like six to eight range, maybe. Yeah. Um, well, think about this. What well, think about this too, Derek in, in just in conference play, when he kind of really got going, he averaged 13 points per game in conference play objectively as the fourth option. Like he was not getting the same amount of looks as Ochai CB or Dave. And he still averaged 13 a game. What's it going to look like now that he's the focal point? Yeah, I, I think there's a real case to be made that if you think Kansas is going to be good enough to get a one seed or win the Big 12 or even get, you know, fringe one seed, two seed, whatever it is, obviously they're going to be in the national conversation for Jalen to put up 17, 18 points per game. We know he's a good rebounder. He'll probably get seven, eight, nine rebounds per game. I, I saw one book had him at 18 to one to win the I think it was the Naismith player of the year. Obviously, there's so many different player of the year awards. I don't think that's a bad bet. I, I think there is some. uh some credence to that. So I would take the over on this as well. How about this one? Back to the three-point competition or more three-point makes this year. Zach Clements or Dewan Harris? Immediately your mind says Zach Clements because he's the better shooter, but Dewan Harris is going to be on the floor, you would think, more than Zach Clements. And who knows? Zach Clements might get buried in the depth chart. I don't know. So who makes more threes this year? Mm. 
Dewan Harris went 20 of 62 last year, and he was on the court a lot. Zach Clements went 6 of 22. Dewan Harris played over, Derek, over 1,000 more minutes last season than Zach Clements and had 14 more. 14 more threes. It's not even close. The answer is Zach Clements. But, okay, what if what if Dewan Harris, because we've seen this, when Bill Self trusts a point guard, they play big minutes, right? And, and Dewan last year played all those minutes. It was still 29 a game, I believe. So what happens if Dewan Harris is playing 35 minutes a game and Zach Clements is the third string center and he's only playing eight to 10 minutes a game? Listen, Derek, I love that. I, I love Dewan Harris. I think he is a perfect point guard for running Bill's self system. I love what he does. Great player. Have you seen him shoot the ball? Efficient when he's open? No, 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 no. Have you seen him? Have you actually seen the act of him getting the ball, collecting, and then going into a shooting time. motion? Yeah. It's not pretty. It's not exactly what you would teach a young kid in terms of form and, and how to shoot the basketball. Now, maybe, maybe, like Frank Mason before his senior year or Ochai Baji before his senior year, Dewan comes back. He worked all offseason on his shooting stroke. That is not a pretty jumper. And it's it, it, here's, 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 here's how you know, is that it was surprising when Dewan would make threes. And you know I'm not lying. I'm not trying to be mean. It just is. It was surprising when it would go in because it looks so jankety that you're just kind of like, oh, well, I guess we'll take that. And it was to the point where, oh, if he's hitting threes, then good luck stopping this team. I just don't think that's ever going to be what he does. You're probably right. He probably plays more this year, and that could lead to more shooting opportunities. But Clemens was, I mean, hardly in this rotation last year. He played five minutes a game. So the only way this that he's not, that he doesn't make more, because we know he likes to play outside in, the only way he doesn't make more is if you don't think he's a major part of this rotation. Now, maybe, like, maybe he only goes from five minutes a game to 12 minutes a game. But I think it's probably closer to that 15 to 20 range. And if that's the case, then you know he's just going to have the volume. And if he has the volume, he's a better shooter than Dewan. So I'm taking I'm taking Clements without a second thought. I'm going Dewan. I'll do it. All right. I'll probably it's, be wrong. Whatever. Keep your courage. Uh, yeah. All right. Uh, this is maybe my favorite one. Over under one and a half players in the Bill Self doghouse this season. Okay. So you have to put uh, parameters on the doghouse, don't you? I mean, I think you know it when you see it, but like last year, obviously, I think we would, I don't know, probably classify Remy Martin uh, as being in the Bill Self doghouse uh, at a point. Um, you could honestly, I don't know, maybe David McCormick was in the Bill Self doghouse, but I, I think Dave never did anything because even he got benched against, uh, I think, Oklahoma State and Mitch Lightfoot came in. But, but always that was, played. yeah, that was more so like performance, I think, than actually like doing something that pissed off Bill Here's Self. What so. I love. Here's what I love is that. With all the roster turnover, it's like, who could it be? We got a bunch of new faces. Who could it be? I don't think it's any, it's going to be any, like, it's not going to be Jalen. It's not going to be Dewan. Uh, it's not going to be, well, I guess, shoot, that's really the only, uh, McCuller. It won't be McCuller. Like, he just seems to like, he's the perfect guy. Um, so could it be one of the, like, the one, 
I bet you're worth. Are, are you? Is there one name that like kind of comes to mind for you? I don't got a couple. Say, okay, don't say. It, but like, there, it, there's one for me that's like I can see you getting in some trouble this year, and it's Grady Dick. And then the only reason is, is because guy who likes to shoot a ton, and it's not because he is going to get benched for shooting too much. It's that if that's your main priority and you're not doing the other stuff, it's a really easy way for Bill to be like, get on the bench, man. You're not playing defense. Like, hey, I love that you're taking seven threes a game, but you've messed up, you've messed up our offensive sets. Uh, you were supposed to switch for two straight plays. You didn't do it. The other team scored because we had to rotate because you missed your spot. That's how you get benched. That's how you get into the doghouse. And he's just kind of got like a little bit of that cockiness to him. To where it's like, uh, you better back it up with your play if you're going to be cocky. So nothing against Grady Dick. I think he's going to be a fantastic player. I've talked to the kid. Uh, I think he's got a good head on his shoulders. But just in terms of like stylistically, freshman likes to shoot a lot. That to me is a, that's a good jump off point for being in the Bill Self doghouse. I mean, we could just go back to Zach Clemens here. Like if you're shooting a lot, but you're the center and you're not getting <laughs> rebounds inside, yeah. like Bill Self's not going to be happy. Yeah. Yeah, you're probably right because he's the same thing except a big guy. Mm -hmm. So I, I don't know. There's a, there's actually a couple. Can anytime you so, have young players in there. Yeah, and that's the thing is like if the over under is one and a half, it's just a numbers game. Yeah. How many freshmen are going to be playing on this team? It's it's one thing to get benched. It's one thing to just not play. That doesn't necessarily mean you're in the doghouse. That could just mean you're not good enough. See, being in the doghouse, here's the important thing. Being in the doghouse means you have to be good enough to want the coaches want to play you. If you're just not good, you're not in the doghouse. You're just on the bench. You know, like guys who play two minutes a game, you're not in the doghouse. You're just not very good. So it's like you also have to be somebody that they want to play, but they're not playing you because they're proving a point. So I'm going to say one. I'm going to say one, and it's going to be probably one of those two guys you mentioned. Yeah, probably. All right. I'll agree with you on that one. Uh, I want to pitch you on another Heisman candidate. This is more of a hypothetical coming up in a second here. Do you have issues with sweaty pits and are worried to raise your hands up at work and fear of showing off your pit stains? What about worries about your odor? Well, I know if you're working through a long day, I'll have a day where I'm working here and then I'll go run a you know broadcast afterwards nearby and you're working a 12 to 13 hour day and you don't have time to go home and put on some more deodorant or whatnot you don't want to worry about the issues or the odor sweat block wipes are a must-have for everyone's toiletry bag whether it's a big presentation or a hot date everyone can benefit if you or someone you love is experiencing embarrassing sweat or odor try sweat block save 20 percent with promo code locked on at sweatblock.com also available on amazon your Heisman candidate pitch for this week is an easy one. It's hypothetical, though. What if Jalen Daniels comes back this week against Oklahoma State, plays the final four games? What would he have to do to be back in consideration? Is that even possible at this point? Hendon Hooker's making it really difficult. If I, I'm not even saying for to win it, because I think you're right. Let's just say like an invitation to New York, getting a because you, you have a first, second, and third place vote, getting some sort of recognition. Well, because here's the thing that you have to remember, and I think we may have talked about this last week. There is, like, we try to make it as to, oh, it's a two-horse race now. We do it with the MVP, too. Like, people are saying it's a two-horse race. It's Jalen Hurts and, and Josh Allen. It, it, that is never true. It's never true. Bryce Young wasn't even in my top three 
heading into the final week of the regular season, and I voted for him to win. Because that's what happens with the Heisman. You need that big moment in critical situations. So, like, even at this point in the season, it feels like it's a two-horse race between C.J. Stroud and Hendon Hooker. There's a chance that either one of those guys could not even end up in the top three. All it takes is one loss, boom, you drop down. Somebody else has a big game in the last week of the season, and you're on the outside looking in. C.J. Stroud didn't even, he was finished fourth last year in Heisman. So, to answer your question, what would it take? I mean, it would take ungodly numbers ungodly, like better than what he did to start the season. So he can't just come back and do what he did. He would have to come back and be better because he's just not going to have the numbers and Kansas has dropped three games. So first off, they got to win all four. Seriously. They have to win all four games. He has to come back this week. They have to win all four. He's got 16 total touchdowns in four games. You probably, you have to at least eclipse 30. Right? Like, I'm not crazy in saying that, right? You have to, you have to probably double your total and be I, super efficient. I'm very interested if, like, he, let's say they even went three and one, because then at that point you could say, yeah, but they're eight and two with him as the starting quarterback, right? And, and let's say he had 300 total yards per game. So now you're looking at, you know, almost 3,000 total yards on the season. Uh, let's say he does get to 30 total touchdowns. The QBR, let's say, is still in the top five. I wonder if we would just look at it as like the value thing and the value side of it. Because if you remember, like, I don't know if you remember the name Dennis Dixon for Oregon. Yeah, he was having course. like a great season for them. And yeah. then he got hurt. I think he missed the last three games. He still finished fifth in the Heisman voting. He got 17 first place votes. So there is a bit of precedent there. So let me, let me tell you this. I just looked this up and I hadn't looked at Heisman odds in a while. Have you looked at Heisman odds recently? No. So, I mean, you know the names at the top. C.J. Stroud's heavy favorite. Then Hendon Hooker, Caleb Williams at USC, um, Blake Corum of, of Michigan, Bryce Young. Then So it's those top five, and then it's like a pretty steep drop-off to the guys like Stetson Bennett and Bo Nix and uh, Jameer Gibbs, Drake May. What if I told you Jalen Daniels is still 15th in Heisman odds? Now That's interesting. Now, that is a little misleading because he is 100 to 1. And there's like a massive, because like Spencer Sanders is 50 to 1. Dorian Thompson Robinson at, uh, at UCLA is 80 to 1. So is DJ Ugalele at 80 to 1. And then it gets to like 100 to 1. So Vegas is still considering him. But really, you'd have to ask the question is of all those names I mentioned at the top, at what point? Did I name a name where you said they could pass them? I could Bo Nix. Could he pass Bo Nix? Because that's when you're talking about being in consideration, you're probably talking about being in the top eight, in the top six of Heisman odds. And it would take a, a pretty impressive finish to the year for him to get into that. He is Nick Schwert, and you can hear him on Wave in the Wheat trying to pronounce DJ Uyunglele's name again. Or you can Did hear I him say on Ugalele? Yeah, like ukulele. Uh, you can hear him on 610 with Cody and Gold. Nick, appreciate the time as always, man. Later, man. <laughs> That's Nick Schwert joining us here on Locked on Jayhawks. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. We'll be back at it tomorrow. If you have anything you'd like for the show to talk about, you can hit us up with any comments on YouTube or you can find me at D Johnson Radio on Twitter. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on YouTube or anywhere you find your podcast. That'll do it for today's episode. Have a good rest of your day. See somebody on Rock Chalk Sports Talk later today.